0: Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hey, all you geoholics out there. This is Nick Smolovsky with another Bad Elf Tech Minute. All right, we're going to talk more space today. Uh, Literally today, uh, SpaceX uh, tried to launch, actually do a um, high orbital test of its new uh, spaceship called, literally, Starship. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty cool name. This uh, Starship rocket, will be attached to a super heavy rocket, uh, the size of Saturn V, actually with more thrust. I've been to Cape Canaveral. That is one heck of a uh, rocket. Uh, It is partially reusable. It will be used for lunar missions and then Mars missions. Unfortunately, today it was actually scrubbed. Uh, So it was cool. You got to watch the the video of the uh, launch on the pad, but it never took off. Just want to talk real quickly that working in parallel to SpaceX is the Artemis program from nasa uh, with the sls rocket and orion capsule also looking to go to uh the lunar surface and mars soon so that's some cool space news coming to you even if it was scrubbed today if you have any questions you can reach out to me at nick at bad-elf.com thanks all you geoholics we'll talk to you again soon
1: Dude, don't bring me down, buddy. Don't bring me down.
2: No, 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 no.
1: Gotta love ELO. I think the reason I like them so much as a kid is because I could hit those high notes Like before I hit puberty, you know? <laughs> had no problem with that whatsoever. Before
2: they dropped, huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs>
1: Welcome back, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to episode 61 of the Geoholics podcast, I also to, known as
2: the... I had to dig deep on this one, the Rick Nash. Hockey player. Yes. I yeah, it's a good there's, one. There's not a whole lot of 61s out yes, there. That's a rough one. Uh, he was actually the first overall selection in 2002 by the Columbus Blue Jackets. That was okay. after he played two years in the OHL in Canada. Yep. I don't want to get too deep on that. He played 15 seasons in the NHL for the Blue Jackets, Rangers, and Bruins. Five-time All-Star. He won the NHL Foundation Award in 2008-09 season for his charity work in Columbus. He represented Team Canada in the Olympics and won gold in 2010 and 14. And he's currently the special assistant to the GM for the Columbus Blue Jackets.
1: Friggin' hockey players.
2: I know. Well, he had to retire because he retired after 15 seasons early because he had unresolved concussion issues.
1: That's a bummer. So, well, bummer. Good choice. These guys play with like
2: the tiniest piece of plastic on their head, and yeah, they're going after each other.
1: To think they played that sport with like nothing at one point in
2: time, no protection whatsoever. The only thing I miss now is the fighting. They don't do it anymore. Not so much. They're sissies. Not so much. There's no uh, goons.
1: we got a couple goons with this tonight (laughs) so that uh that last episode with uh with adam from airworks really got some traction i couldn't believe it so we got a lot of really good feedback from that one um handful of new youtube channel subscribers and in fact if you haven't already please take a second and subscribe to the youtube channel possibly a couple more friends of the program as a result and I, i gotta tell you the friends of the program lineup for 2021 is off the hook, as the kids say. Wow, Not the is 2020 2020. shabby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I seriously can't wait, though, to share them with everyone. And we got a lot of really cool stuff that we're going to unveil in January. So trust me when I say it's going to be an epic year. By the way, I need to give a quick shout-out to Josh Stice, Jake Keesby, and Bob Westalaski That's a mouthful. They all made very generous donations to the Geoholics GoFundMe efforts. So for the rest of you out there, feel free to do the same. Seriously, though, if we could... Uh, we couldn't do it without the support of our listeners, so thank you to everybody for your continued support.
2: Everything the... they they contribute gets reinvested. Uh,
1: Absolutely. We got uh, we got some new mics on the way, as a matter
2: of exactly. fact. Exactly. Yes. So we're going to sound better in 2021 yeah. as well.
1: If it's even possible. <laughs> uh, the opening number, of course, is Electric Light Orchestra, also known as ELO, or better known as ELO. The song is Don't Bring Me Down. ELO is an English rock band formed in Birmingham in 1970. Their music is characterized by a fusion of... Beatlesque pop, classical arrangements, and futuristic iconography. it's a lot. During Yellow's original 13 year period of active recording and touring, they sold over 50 million records worldwide. The band also holds the record for their having the most Billboard Hot 100 top 40 hits without a number one single.
2: Always a Bridesmaid, Never a Bride. Wow, that's hard to believe. <laughs>
1: uh, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017. So, there we have it. Let's move on to our friends of the program. First, we have Bad Elf GPS. Check them out at bad-elf.com. They're developing low-cost, high-accuracy GPS receivers for all-day data collection. In fact, if you mentioned that you heard about the Flex receiver, which we've heard so much about, on the G-Hawks, you will receive $100 off your purchase and a really cool... Fitted bad elf hat. Where's your hat tonight? Chief? I am not
2: sporting it. I went. I went the old school way tonight. Yes, you did. Uh, I can't help myself. I love my team and my new owner <laughs> of the team. So <laughs> there you go. Next, we got Land Surveyors United, the largest global community of geomatics professionals on the internet, with over seventeen thousand members. Check out the new smart marketplace. You That's, got it. That, that one's a tough yeah, one. It's pretty cool. You gotta check it out. You gotta go to landsurveyorsunited.com, dot com. Become a member and be sure to download the GeoHolics app while you're there as well.
1: Indeed. Next, we have the LiDAR News, the virtual home of the LiDAR industry.
2: The LiDAR
1: Lidar News team (laughs) focuses on the application of technology to solve 3D problems. Check them out at LiDARNews.com.
2: And we have Parkland College, their land survey program in Champaign, Illinois. They have two schedule options, which provide opportunities to both traditional and working adults to achieve a certificate or associate's degree in land surveying. Find more about them at parkland.edu slash surveying.
1: You notice how I gave you all the hard ones?
2: I know. It's all good. (laughs) And you were the one that's blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Next, we got UniFly.
1: Scott Ohana and his team have developed a one-stop UAV shop. Check out how we work at unifli.aero to find out more.
2: This one I'm happy to do, Mister Diamondback Land Surveying, Trent Keenan. Better you better give him a special shout out. The generous man that you know just sends bottles of liquor to us. He you know he knows how to butter us up well. Uh, they specialize in residential, commercial, and public works projects. Their corporate office is located in Las Vegas, but they are licensed to work across the West. They're also proud sponsor and brand ambassadors of Get Kids Into Survey. Find out more about both of them at DiamondbackLandSurveying.com and GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, and as well. Trent hosts a little something called Mentoring Mondays, and you can find out more about that at mentoringmondays.xyz.
1: Yep, he's got a really cool new website, as a matter of fact. Uh, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. Check them out at agsgps.com. Unbeatable deals on new and used equipment, equipment rentals and supplies. In fact, if you go to agsgps.com forward slash shop and use promo code GEO 15 you will save 15% off all regular price field supplies, accessories, and safety equipment.
2: And then we got Tiger Supplies, the Surveying Construction and Engineering Superstore with over 15,000 products featuring the top brands. Uh, Tiger will get you the equipment you need to get the job done right. Use the promo code GEO15 for 15% off any Adair Pro item. Also, don't forget to check out their YouTube page for product videos, tips, and tricks.
1: Last but not least, Cyanic Automation. These guys are doing some really cool stuff with survey companies up in Canada and now the U.S. as well, developing new ways to collect daily work records and timesheets directly from the field, automate invoicing, search jobs by legal descriptions and legal addresses, stuff like that. Check out their job book at getjobbook.com. Also, tell them you heard about it on the Geohawks. They'll give you 20% off their first year subscription. Lots of good stuff going on there. All right. Friendly Susu Studio. Cobb Fenley is a full-service civil firm that also performs all levels of Sioux services, hence the name of the studio. Check them out at CobbFenley.com to find out more. By the way, if you apply for a job, be sure to put Kent Grow in the referral box.
2: <laughs> Shameless plug. Don't get used to it.
1: <laughs> Let's catch up with the boys a little bit. Producer Jake, what's up, buddy?
3: How's it going, guys? Uh, doing good. Uh, Nick had a little teaser to kind of what I wanted to chat about today, but it's something that's <laughs> encompassed my whole day and kind of gave me a little bit of blue balls. So uh, this was uh, <laughs> SpaceX Starship and Elon down in um, southern Texas, basically Mexico. Um, they were supposed to do their Starship launch today to um, get to 50,000 uh, foot for this this um, space ship to to Mars. And um they got all the way there. They didn't give us a time. It was just any time today, and I just sat there and watched it all day, notifications on, refresh, refresh, because I wanted to see this thing go up so bad. Finally, we get there. It pops up, five minutes to go, T-minus counts down all the way, 1.3 seconds to go, and they scrub the thing. Jeez. Eat the, 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 the engines, everything went off, and then they just pulled it back, and it didn't go anywhere, and then they just shut it down. So,
1: so what, what was the reason?
3: They don't know. It was just that it wasn't even them. It was like the computer oh, okay. auto like just shut it down. So wow. I think that the last thing they said was like, hey, we're going to go look at like the code of what happened and then hopefully try again tomorrow. But I don't know. We'll see.
2: Huh. But now, interesting. It, now, is that something like you were saying you refresh it and you have to see it live? Me, personally? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't just watch it on YouTube later No, it's no. Just... It didn't have the same, uh-uh. Okay. Like, it's when the this... Falcon
3: Heavy went up, when Elon launched his car, I, like, ran home real quick, had the whole thing. It's, it's a whole process for me. Okay.
2: I just wanted to make sure, like, I'm with <laughs> sports on that, but... Oh, I 100%. Like...
3: It's the same exact thing. Okay. Would you watch the Super Bowl, like, DVR? No, no way. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I,
2: I can watch, like, a regular baseball game and I'll just watch yeah. the highlights or whatever. That, something like that, I'll watch the highlights and yeah. be like, okay, yeah, well, I mean, it's history. It's history. Awesome. It's history. <laughs> One step closer to
3: my Mars, well, i but. guess uh, hey, but.
1: jake owns property on mars
2: i know exactly
3: i'm just trying to get there redeem my property and yeah. build my cabin
2: <laughs> we, ha- we haven't been to uh beat lab in a long time so no, we'll yeah, i haven't used the restroom to check out his uh we'll be deed. there next week <laughs> yeah, next week
3: but i just want to use the last little bit of time i have here just to just promote the youtube channel um you're listening to us right now audio but go check out the youtube channel slash the geoholics subscribe because there's a lot of good stuff on there and it's nice to put uh, a face to the name
2: or a okay. face to the the voice on there, you, there go. you go well we don't you, you don't put the face on there yeah we, one of these episodes like when we Maybe. have the recap yeah. of the year or something like that your 2020 yeah, yeah, year so. in review i'll be there all right that's a promise you heard it yep so um I got to tell you guys, my Giants are on a roll right now. Four oh. games in a row, tied for the NFC. It was That's the NFC least. Now that it's the NFC beast. Come on, mm. taking down the undefeated Steelers, taking down the Seahawks. Oh, oh man. man, that was that was too good. Uh, as as a few of us know around the table, last week we took part in the Terry Borland golf tournament. Mm. It's hosted by Aztec Engineering, a local. Uh, I think they go beyond locally, but locally they host that, and it's a raising money for ASU scholarship funds, which may offend somebody at this table, but the other ones like it. Uh, I did get the results that we we did come in fourth place, so always a surprise. Yeah, we we hey, fourth place, I'll take it. Yeah. With the with the we didn't lie well enough. So
1: you're like <laughs> the third loser. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it's fine.
2: It's better than I expected. <laughs> Once we actually saw our Uh, team name on there, I was like, "Whoa, that's that's surprising." But uh, you were there as well. mm, Surprising, surprisingly sober this year compared to last. I only
1: only played nine holes.
2: There you you go. (laughs) You you were way behind the crowd, but that was a great time. Uh, Give Kareem a a, a round of applause every year. It's always a good time, even with these COVID times. They you know Mm -hmm. brought the lunch to us in the carts and. And it was still a great time, so and I'll just leave it at that. What about you? Yeah, no, they do a great job with that tournament every
1: year. Um, I got to give a quick shout-out to Denver Winchester. Mm-hmm. You remember him? And James Combs, um, gosh, probably about a month or so ago, they asked me to do a presentation at the annual Young Surveyors Network, uh, at their annual meeting, which is it was last Friday, which is why I missed half of the, uh, the outing, but um, – He's like, can you fill an hour of time? I'm like, sure, I can fill an hour of time. not really even thinking about it. You know, I'm like, what am I going to freaking talk about for an hour straight? You know, I'm used to doing this for like an hour and a half, Mm. but there's so many people interacting. You know, this is just me doing a Zoom meeting for an hour straight. So I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So uh, you'll get a kick out of this. So I started, I'm like, so here's what I'm going to do, everybody. I'm going to give you a one-minute synopsis of every year of my life. And then at the end, we'll have seven minutes for questions. So, <laughs> <laughs> But no, it went, it went really, really well, actually. And uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to do it. And it's really exciting to see a bunch of young surveyors that are, are just super passionate about the profession. So other than that, um, I got a couple gifts for you guys real quick. Hold on.
2: Oh, gee. Why uh, right we're now? Just get, we're just getting spoiled tonight between Trent's gifts. Is this one now, of them? Oh, oh. my goodness. Does, is it for she- shoots or for Ryan? Yeah, yeah. we're opening yeah, 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 right yeah. now.
1: Go ahead, go ahead, go.
2: Ahead. Oh, uh, oh, our guy. King so of cheer. Open it up. Open it up. Oh, the old. You got to open the Hughes. front cover. Oh, we got signed copies. Big shoots. Keep always bringing the che- magic. Personalized.
1: Uh, yeah, right? Always
2: be cheering for the geoholics. Oh, Love that's it.
3: awesome. That's yeah,
1: awesome.
2: Yeah.
3: One of my favorite episodes. I'll go on record saying that. Yeah, it was did, great. Uh, for sure.
2: Jim showed me his his copy of it earlier today, and I was thinking about it. And I told him, I'm like, that was the one at the end of it that Jake was the most excited oh, I've i Oh, I was pumped him. up. Yeah, it was a great episode. His
3: energy was infectious.
2: Oh. Absolutely. He's tying, like, T-shirts around his head. Yeah. He, like, could not sit still the entire that hour. Awesome. So thank you that very awesome. much. You thank you, much. Is that. that from you or from him? Oh, well, from me. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you then. I didn't know okay. who to thank.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, via Trent.
2: Let's oh, not okay. let's not leave Trent. Oh, him Trent's out. always involved one way or another. He was the mule. Let's put there's that there's always that generosity yeah, with that exactly. guy.
1: Exactly. All right. Uh, real quick, safety apparel safety share. Matthew Stansbury has literally developed the best safety vest on the planet, also known as the party chief. It would be absolutely foolish to shop anywhere else for a vest, safetyapparel.us, and be sure to check out all their social media platforms for tons of picks and giveaways. Uh, Good guy, that Matthew Stan.
2: Oh, glad to hear he's a good guy, though. Yeah, what you got, (laughs) Shoots? Uh, We're going to talk about confined spaces. Uh, Each year, an average of 92 fatalities occur from confined spaces Mm. locations due to asphyxiation, acute or chronic poisoning, or impairment. This is the part that I thought was crazy. 80% of fatalities happened in locations that had been previously entered by the same person who later died. Oh well. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, is. Um go over it real quick. A confined space is a space that is large enough and so arranged that an employee can enter it, but it has limited or restricted means for entry and exit is not designated for continuous employee occupancy. Uh, some examples: sewer, storm drains, water mains, pits. You know, appropriate for what we're doing this evening. Yep. Uh, steps to ensure safety: Is it a, cons- a confined space? Is the atmosphere safe? How do I enter and exit safely? Will the atmosphere stay safe? Does it need ventilation? Equipment checks, lighting. Biggest thing: communication. And then, is your crew up to the task? Yep. So. Yep. Good stuff. Just trying to make it uh appropriate Topical. for the evening. yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good one. Good job, Shoes. appreciate that. All right. Let's get on with this. Uh, some introductions real quick. This week's topic is subsurface utility engineering, also known as SUE, and we are very fortunate to have three of the SU industry leaders with us this week, so I'm excited for them to be here. I appreciate their time. I'm going to let them do their, uh, their own introduction real quick. Uh, name, company, and role, and let's go with historical figure you would love to have a couple beers with. Robert, I'm going to let you go first, buddy.
4: All right, uh, Robert Ramsey, um, uh, vice president with T2 Utility Engineers. Um, uh, operate on the West Coast. Um, man, what else did you ask for?
1: Historical figure you'd like to have some beers with.
4: Oh, man, historical figure. Oh. How, far, how far back are we going yeah, historically? What we doing? Whatever. Whatever. Okay. Man, you there's, no, no, the there's no no wrong answer. Well, I got mine immediately. I head. got mine. <laughs> we'll get to it. You're going to put me on the spot here. I don't know, man. I'd probably say... Uh, uh yeah any, i don't know i don't know we'll, if we'll double back to you we'll, yeah well, you give me a I second outline, to think, think about <laughs> it was, like, think to I be outline. a real
2: historical figure yeah it's just somebody that everybody would know Anybody, or at least yeah, yeah. majority of people would hercules know. there right. you go Dawn. i like it would you guys compare muscles like probably not
4: all right sean. not now maybe maybe 20 years
5: ago
2: <laughs> you go next sean
5: all right sean wolf Cop Finley and Associates. I'm the VP and region manager for uh, Cop Finley's Mountain Region. Um, I had Captain Kirk stuck in my head, so now I'm not sure what, what I should do. So I'll just go with, uh, oh, man, I don't know. It's hard, right? Really? That's a tough it's one. so That's a funny. Yeah, I hmm. mind like right away. Boom. Yeah, you'll have to come back. All,
6: All right. right. All right. Michael, good, buddy. Okay, I'm Michael Twig. Actually, I'm the Subsurface uh, Director of um, Services and DGT Associates, working out of the Boston area, though I live in Florida. Actually, I come from Winter Park, Florida. Um, So I grew up in Ireland. I've been in this industry a long time. Uh, But for an Irish guy, there's no uh, question who my uh, person I'd love to meet. And that would have been Winston Churchill. Oh, I love that one. Great one, great
1: one. Hey, so Michael, let me ask you this. I'm told that the Guinness tastes different in Ireland than it does here in the States. Yes. No question? Really?
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in a bar business in Ireland, so I was pulling pints at six years old, and I can guarantee you that's true.
1: Man, I got to get to Ireland. Nah, soon enough. I love Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, before we get back to Sean, Jake, who's your uh, historical figure you'd love to have some beers with?
3: I was actually, the first thing that popped in my head was from last night, rest in peace, just Chuck Yeager. I'd love to talk to him about, oh, yeah, about going
1: supersonic. That's a good one for mm-hmm. sure. I'm yeah. What year did that happen? Do you remember? Like, I like don't what you i super can look typhoon. it up real quick. No, it's um, okay. <laughs>
3: I just watched a documentary on it too, so I should know. But apparently, he's thinking he's dead. Nobody cares
1: anymore. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, that's
2: a good one it was though. Who oh, you got, shoots? Oh, I would say Harry Carey. Oh,
1: that's a good. In one. In a heartbeat.
2: That's a really good yeah, one. Yeah, I love yeah. baseball. I love announcers, yep, and yep. that guy was notorious for putting them back. So. Absolutely. And I'm absolutely. not even a Cubs fan. I would just love to talk to him. Well, oh, that
1: guy, I mean, he's got some stories Well,
2: that go give, way
1: beyond baseball.
2: If you give it like 20, 30 years, you know, the, this guy will die. But we've talked about him before. Bob eucher is a, a hard 1B, yeah. but he's still alive. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, it's Abe Lincoln. Easy, no-brainer. Sean, you got one? <laughs>
5: All right. I'll, I'll, uh, he's still alive, but I'd like to sit down with Jimmy Buffett for a while. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Margaritaville, eh? Yeah. Maybe. Absolutely.
1: Ah. Yep, Buffett, love the guy. He's got a gazillion stories, no question. Oh. All right, let's set the stage for this real quick. So this is from a white paper I read not too long ago titled, Reducing Damage to Underground Utility Infrastructure During Excavation. And one of our guests, Michael, I believe, actually contributed to that. So here's a quote from it. Over the past two decades... In the United States there have been hundreds of fatalities and thousands of injuries attributed to hitting underground infrastructure during excavations. In addition, inaccurate and missing information about underground infrastructure is a major cause of construction project schedule and budget overruns. It has been estimated that unreliable location information about underground infrastructure represents a 50 billion to 100 billion drag on the US economy. Whew. Those numbers are staggering. That's that a is unfreaking believable. So for our listeners, we're going to kind of start out, you know, at the elementary level. Let's first define what subsurface utility engineering is. So, uh, Michael, since you got uh last straw last time, you go first.
6: Well, um, for me, you know, subsurface utility engineering is, a, is, you know, known in the industry as a dedicated discipline to identifying and locating uh, underground infrastructure, so it can be depicted accurately in plans and records. Um, so obviously, it's it's very important for construction. But these days, we see it just as important inside in GIS and updating asset owners' records. Um, you know, for me, I I still like to go on the record and say I dislike the term subsurface utility engineering. Uh, and like you, Kent, I come from a, a survey background. So I'm absolutely adamant that our roots are based in survey and not engineering. I'm an engineer by uh, education, but I'm a a survey mapping professional. And so for me, it's subsurface uh, utility mapping is the uh, correct attribute for our industry, I believe.
1: Very good answer, I appreciate that. So it's my understanding there are different quality levels. Sean, you wanna talk a little bit about that?
5: Sure, sure, yeah, SUE or subsurface utility engineering. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Michael. I think it is um, kind of an industry term these days that, that it is SUE. But um, for the sake of the, our, our talk here today, we can just call it um, UE, Utility Engineering. Um, it also deals with overhead and the utilities you can see as much as it does the ones you can't see underground. So um, it's been basically broken into four quality levels. Um, these are also, you can kind of uh, consider these things confidence levels on on the the the, the quality of information that you could obtain on these utilities. So um, it gets progressively tighter or more confidence as you go from quality level D as in dog down to quality level A. And I'll run through them real quick. Um, D is basically um, utility information based on record or um, individual knowledge of utilities. Um, it does involve some knowledge of the site. So there is a field you know, component to it, but predominantly it's based on utility information that utility owners provide to you or that you can collect um, through your project. Um, quality level C gets you one step um, higher confidence, and it's, it's basically incorporating survey data, um, topographic survey. So you can take what you know about, um, say, a sewer line, and now you have manholes, things that have been shot in, surveyed in, um, what we kind of call anchor points um, to connect these lines to. Um, um, moving one step higher, and this is really the biggest upgrade in, in uh, utility information, is uh, quality level B as in boy. And at this point, you actually have hard locates. Um, a qualified suit consultant is gonna have highly trained individuals and they go out, um, they map these utilities using specific coding and line style and uh, paint markings and, and whatnot. Um, they go out, find these utilities, mark them on the ground. Um, and then um, a surveyor comes in and surveys that information. Um, survey data needs to be pretty high quality. so. Typically, it's to the um, the accuracy of um, the the topographic survey. Usually, uh, you know, 60 millimeters, somewhere around there. So um, you get real hard quality or high quality information on underground utilities. You can't find everything with quality level B, so you end up making a compilation drawing of B, C, D information, and everything has to kind of be qualified. Mm. And this is where your engineer really comes in and and knows how utility systems are designed. Mm. Um, they, have, they have experience not only designing them, um, doing repairs. Um, so that's, that's really where the professional judgment comes in to the, the Sioux system. And designers can take this information, make, make informed decisions on whether their proposed storm drain or their proposed water line or, or roadway project is in conflict with some of these existing utilities. And they can make some adjustments and move things around a little bit. But they can't move everything because at this point, all you have is horizontal data so then level a comes in that's your highest quality level so designers will take a a SU drawing up to quality level b overlay their design come up with a bunch of x marks the spot kind of kind of problems potential conflicts and scope out a bunch of test holes Um, test holes are using a uh, um, uh, non-destructive vacuum excavation type equipment to dig over the utility while protecting the utility at the same time and then you're able to uncover these um, existing utilities at these specific conflict points. That's your level A point. And then from that point, you survey it. Now you've kind of uh, mitigated most of the um, known conflicts on a project. And then then it moves. You know, Sue kind of provides a lot of information and good stuff. But then it's what you do with it after that. Utility coordination can run with it. Um, utility owners can run with it. Um, design uh, uh, consultants, contractors. So hopefully the data doesn't just sit there. Uh, you're able to take it and run with it and actually uh, protect your project in the public.
1: So is it safe to assume that the cost of the service increases as you go from level D to level A?
5: Um, not necessarily. Um, I, I would say the the, the biggest cost component, um, the biggest bang for your buck, put it that way, is is in quality level B. Hmm. And then quality level A may have a high cost to it, but but... There's not a lot of information you get. You get a point on on a utility, right? Hmm. Um, But with quality level B, you can get a ton of points on a utility for that same price. Um, It just depends on what what type of conflict you're dealing with, if you need to upgrade that information to quality level A, or if you're good with the quality level B stuff.
2: So it's kind of like me in school. B's are fine. Oh
5: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's happy with B's, right? Unless
1: you're an overachiever. Yeah,
5: but C C will get you through school. Yeah. You. C C, <laughs> C won't get you through a project <laughs> on a Sue. C's will get you degrees. Uh,
1: good comparison. Good comparison. <laughs> so Robert, I'm curious, um, like how long has Sue been around? I mean, I can, like, I can remember, like, when I worked for the Illinois Department of Transportation back in, gosh, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. It seemed like it was just, I'm sure it had been around at that point in time, but they were just starting to do, like, on calls and stuff like
4: that. Well, and it's really, I mean, Sue's been around for a very long time, some version of Sue, right? Um, but it came in the late 90s where, you know, FHWA came in, started taking uh, some of the principles and and doing tests, uh, doing studies, you know, there's a Purdue study out, out there that they came back and improved, uh, you know, the return on investment, if you will, per, you know, what the agencies and, and, and the DOTs would come back with. Uh, so it's been around a long time. A lot of people will come back and say, Oh, we've been doing this forever. I mean, I, you know, no, no knock on the surveyors out there, but surveyors will always say, well, Oh, I've surveyed in like, you know, Sean was saying, Hey, I've, I've dipped manholes, you know, s- forever. And and I've looked at these terrible records because everybody looks at stuff that, that, you know, you got really poor record information. Well, you know, that's kind of been the the hindsight where you're moving west because on the East Coast, a lot of this stuff is a little bit more, uh, I guess, uh, set in stone. West is a little kind of the Wild West, right? You got a lot of people who are still out there doing stuff uh, kind of the old way. Well, when you have a surveyor comes back and says, Oh, I've been doing that forever, well, have you been giving the depictions? Because one thing that I will, will say about the whole process on the ASE 38. It's not the act of actually going out and collecting the data, so it's not a designator designating a line using geophysics that makes it quality level b. It's also not the surveyor surveying in the manhole that makes it quality level c mm. it's the it's the taking pulling all the data together and then the engineer giving his professional judgment. The engineer actually is the one who gives or the professional I don't want to always say it's you know the engineer it's the professional in charge that oversees it that correlates. Uh, the records, you know, the survey above ground information, the geophysics, and then constructability, looking at everything, how it can be built. Uh, different things are, in, you know, uh, built differently in different in different regions of of, uh, of the country. And it's knowing all of those different um, uh, kind of parameters that let them give the judgment on each individual utility that they give the depictions. So that's one big thing that you see out there. And so I kind of correlate that with the history because a lot of people will come back mm-hmm. and say – Oh, I'm a surveyor. I've been doing this forever. I've been doing quality level C forever. Well, in reality, you're like, go pull your map from you know ni- you know 1998, and I'm pretty sure you di- you disclaim that thing. Yep. You said, hey, this map is only as good as what you know X utility company or X agency gave me on the data. You didn't take any ownership of it. That's what's so good about the the ASE 38, as being the professionals in the, in the and and doing the utility investigation you are actually taking on and giving them an understanding of what uncertainty is they have with each utility. So Sean went over with, in, you know, in really detail, but those depictions, and that's where it really comes to the next level is understanding what those depictions mean for the design team that carries it from design through construction. So it's been around for a while, but it's, it's evolved. So even now, like, uh, I think it was, you know, 2002 when the actual first standard came out, well, they're, they're now changing and they're getting ready to come out with the updated standard and you know some of the things we talked about with the SUM and some of these things the new standard is kind of uh, answering some of those things because of the fact that there is so much kind of uh I don't I want to say it's a standard of uncertainty it's it's taking what's uncertain in underground and making it certain yeah. you know and that's what the new standard is going to even do with actually the terminology on on what we're, we're all looking for and and we're, and we're doing. So the new standard is coming out. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit Mm -hmm. from my understanding. So I won't get too much into there, but it has been around for a while, but I would say actually in the Sioux industry, it's 20 years Mm -hmm. type situation. Um, you know, based on that, because I do know that you have a lot of people that'll come out and say, well, I've been doing it for, I mean, I've talked to a lot of surveyors, got a lot of survey friends, so they're probably taking punches at me right now, but I know how that goes.
2: Well, real quick, when you say that, like, you're taking ownership of it over somebody that did that before, is that liability, essentially? Yeah, you're taking liability.
4: So, and that's one of the big things on the West Coast that happens when, when we, when, and, you know, Sean probably says in a lot of places that when you're coming, coming to the areas that we work in, you have a lot of people that have that construction mentality. That they're just like, hey, go do it as cheap as you possibly can. Yeah. Well, that's where you talked about the price, you know. Ken, you talked about the price a minute ago. It's all about liability, right? So everything that we sign and seal, we're taking the liability against, against the negligent errors and emissions, just like you would with a civil engineering project, sure. right? You're, you're the roadway project. And so what happens is it's, that's their investment, you know. Um, if you go into somebody and say, hey, we're, you know, Sean mentioned the, the, the bang for your buck is quality level B, well, it's because so many people say, hey, I want 300 potholes. You know, we're going to go over the potholes <laughs> here in a little bit, but I want 300 potholes. Well, what are you trying to accomplish, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing is it's breaking that, I would say, the education part of this is something that, that we're pushing hard um, as this thing goes west and even in some places on the East Coast. But at the end of the day, it's really getting people educated on what they're getting and what they're, I guess, what you know, uh, what uh, liability they're holding. If you have somebody that just goes says, I'm gonna go get, get a Joe Mama Pop contractor to go punch a bunch of potholes and uh, they hit a line and blow up an intersection, mm-hmm. guess who owns that liability?
2: Mm-hmm.
4: That agency. They didn't do the proper that they didn't do the proper due diligence. They didn't, you know, hire the right consultant. You mm-hmm. come into the Sioux industry and that's why we sign and seal everything. Everything in the quality level B world has to be recreatable. So if I say that the line is is it you know quality level B and it's in this location and it's found five feet off and it hurts somebody, I'm now liable for that line. So the city doesn't go get back charged, the contractor doesn't get backcharged, my my team gets back charged. Mm-hmm. That's a so real real
5: important distinction with the with the old standard and and the new standard really because if you think about what a professional is going to be responsible for, um, think about one call marks. You know somebody goes out and sh- shoots in one call marks. Well, they're only responsible for shooting in that paint. When a Sioux company does it, they're responsible for where that what that paint is depicting, you know, its general location based on quality level B accuracies. Um, those are those are the things that a, that, that you get from a Sioux consultant versus
4: surveying paint. Yeah. Uh, and and I'll and I'll kind of follow up on that because you have a lot of people that'll still say that. Yeah. And a lot of places make it illegal now to do to have, you know, the eight one one system go paint on the ground. The reason why And, you know, I've been, I've seen this to where you don't know what they're painting. You don't know if they're using equipment. You know, 811 is set up to be the last ditch effort for, to protect utility. It's not meant for design. Mm. Uh, It's, you know, their tolerances are, you know, in some places like four feet. So what you end up having, I I remember walking down the road. I I won't say where I was. um, We walked out out there and uh, we were actually doing some survey uh, for a big roadway job and a guy was walking on the side of the road, and he had his hand out to the side of the road, no, no equipment at all, mind you, and he's painting going down the road. And I walked up to him, and I said, hey, what are you, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm, I'm blue-staking the water line. <laughs> and I was like, you don't have any equipment? he goes, I roughly know that it's about eight foot off the center line, and I'm going down this road, and he's marking it. We went through every single electrical structure that we hit. Wow. Right? <laughs> they ended up hitting a 16-inch water line on that job. Oh my gosh. You know, but it's, <laughs> it's that's crazy. the whole thing is it, it gives you, it's that whole world of uncertainty, right? Yeah. So anybody who looks at it, they use one call, they get all warm and fuzzy. The designers all warm and fuzzy. Hey, I got this uh, one call company that came out. They painted it. I had my surveyors pick it up. That's where it is. Well, you don't know if he used equipment. You don't know what equipment he used. You don't know, you know what don't know training he has. Ex- equi- training, yeah. how many pieces of equipment he had. Yeah. You don't even know a lot of times because by law they have to mark. Yeah. So you can go out there with his piece of equipment and not ever find it and then still paint it right mm-hmm. or likewise and you know i don't want to keep going down the road but there's another issue of it is uh, a lot of it come with bleed off or ghosting on the utilities i don't know how many times everybody's been to a construction site and they look down the road and there is four utilities crammed together running on down the same side right mm-hmm. well when you actually look at it, it's because everybody just painted out the same utility <laughs> yeah because Big they guy. don't know yeah. that the other utilities are in the ground. So they just all painted down the most conductive, shallowest utility, and they didn't know how to, to deal with the bleed off. And so yeah. that's where a lot of construction issues come into play. Yeah,
1: gotcha. So, Michael, I'm going to give you a chance to follow up here. I know you've been probably chomping at the bit, uh, kind of suppressed her for the last few minutes. So Sorry. <laughs> I'll go ahead and let you uh, go ahead and chime in here before we move on to the next topic.
6: Well, you know, for for me, the the first um, exposure to underground damage prevention started for me back in uh, you know 1984 as a contractor after college in Ireland, and um, so you know the contracts at, at the time in in Ireland were that you actually had to, as a contractor, you were responsible to contact the asset owner, get them out there to mark a line. That you actually had Thank to you. go out there and physically expose it either with a shovel or a backhoe, uh, and then survey that up. So we were all qualified. To do surveys so we surveyed it up and put it onto the contract drawings and we were responsible for protecting that during construction and that that was a very good process um and so for me you know my education for subsurface mapping originated back as the contractor's perspective how it, it hurts you if you don't get involved and get ahead of this so to see us you know You know, decades later, not being able to solve this problem seems to be absolutely asinine. I mean, there's a way of solving this problem. Just people don't want to buy into it or do it or um, accept that there's a danger to doing this um, right. And there's a, a, a great reward if you do it right. Um, for me, when I look at subsurface utility mapping, um, one of the great things when I came to the U.S., uh, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of old timers uh, and they had a lot of different experience from across the globe. And one of the things they exposed me to was some of the historical documents in Boston. And the one in particular that I love is the annals that show the first subway system in the United States was built in Boston. It was a race to build a system compared with New York. Um, and if you go back into their annual records that started in about 1893, and the first real big one was 1984, or sorry, 1894, and they talked about how uh, the underground records were inaccurate, they were poorly kept, and uh, you'd imagine that in 1890s. Uh, that there's not a very big infrastructure. And that could not be uh, further from the truth. If you go back and look at those records, the, the corridors were actually chock full of utilities and many utilities that we don't even see today, like underground reservoirs. So the historical perspective of underground mapping became very important to us because we looked to map in you know the Boston area. The best way to do that was to go back to the old records and look at it. But when you read what they went through to document and find the utilities, they actually went to the process of, of tracing, or to look for these utilities to, to best uh, guess based on what we see today as level C. They actually had survey crews go out and market and dig and expose. Uh, there's even records where, because the streets are so busy, They actually dug pits on the side of the road and tunneled underneath so they did a profile under the street not from the surface of the street Um, and they even used non-destructive machines called incline which were steam-powered machines and that's already there's photographs there from uh, 1897 of these steam-powered machines where they dug down and exposed the basements the subway tunnels some of the old graves uh, and all of these old utilities and some of them were very large so based on what you can read from there, we actually see our best practices that we have at DGT today, you know, was to, to great take this level D information, which has been a great legacy of data that's over 150 years old, then to, to do what we all do as surveyors and survey it up. Um, and, and to contrast what Robert had said, um, if you look at our documents before AAC was published, we actually did have a method of uh, depicting our utility information based on reliability. And that was actually because we were all survey guys with line standards inside in our drafting. So if we had a utility that was what we call today a level D, it was a dashed line. It had a different type of dash line if it was level C and not verified. Hmm. But it became a solid line if it was actually something in in the uh, 90s, you know when we traced utilities uh, from the beginning of mine, which is over 25 years ago, Uh, We actually made that a definitive and that went into our legend and library As you you know, today you see, you know, A, B, C and D type of line uh, legends that you see for us, that was different. We actually did that in line types uh, and communicated that. And then we actually started adding the width when we verified it, when we physically exposed those utilities. So before AAC 382, the A, B, C and D, we actually did have a method of communicating the reliability information. Uh, And so it's been a a great learning curve for us. What we see the difference between 1890s and what we do today is we're blessed with a lot more tools. We're able to use LIDAR above ground. We use it in chambers and subways. Uh, You know, the the survey equipment has advanced so much. Um, So we see that all of these new technologies, whether it's the pipe locators or the big multi-array systems that I get to use today, um, we just see this as an evolution of that original best practice. Uh, And the great thing for us is that we see that uh, 3802 gave us a great book for apples to apples comparison because we did find a lot of people were saying their utility information was reliable. When we actually got out there, we found out it was garbage. You know, it wasn't worth the paper it was printed on. Um, And even I was critical of many of the uh, so-called supervisors. Um, You know, I've been very blessed to be able to travel, you know, not only work in the U.S., but work in other continents. Um, And when I see people publishing information, and they have absolutely no idea about survey and mapping. um, You know, I I had a a project in the West Coast. And when I challenged the company about their SUE documents, they were all published to four decimal places for rim and inverts. And so when I asked them, I said, how could they be such fantastic surveyors? They had no clue what I was talking about. (laughs) So um, I think getting a good education out there is very important. I think getting everybody to abide by the same practices and the same understanding so that clients understand what we do for a living and what the importance is, is very important. But for us, me, the, you know, the future for me is looking back at what we did in the past and just keep on evolving and doing it better, being able to do it less expensive, but finding a new generation of young people that we can train to advance it even more.
1: So one question I have, the method you were talking about with the different line types, was that a nationally accepted method or was that like more, more of a regional thing?
6: More, It was more of a regional thing, but it was always with the companies I work with. That was one of the things I always adopted because I've always been plotting. You know, I've, I'm only doing this 36 years now. But for us, I was always, you know, I was a draftsman for all my construction work and all the way through my career. I was always involved with plans and depicting the utility information, whether it's the big tunnels or, or, or just small you know, uh, telecom lines when the fiber booms hit. Um, so for us, it's always been a case of how do you differentiate? And you gotta remember back in the day, it was always end up in a black and white drawing inside in the construction set. So how do you make it so that you can strip out all the information? How do you, remove, you know, not remove all the notes? And so the way we did that was actually to do it by uh, line types and pens. Uh, and labeling like that so they could remove the notes and you may never see the disclaimers, but they couldn't change my documents. So it's just like an ALTA survey today. There was a standardization in the, the way we depicted our drawings. Uh, and I carry that no matter which organization I work in today, whether it's here, Australia or in Europe.
1: Gotcha. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, a lot of passion
2: here tonight. I like it. I was going to say, Sioux guys are apparently uh, <laughs> yeah. into what they do. I love it. I love it. I did uh, I did have a one quick question with a quick answer from Michael. When you were talking about the one in Boston, the first subway, that was just right under Boston Common, right? It was like just uh, just through the Boston Common and that was it. If all those guys that have given me the history lessons while I'm there are correct.
6: Yeah, it, it started as very short. On the first section was only uh, probably a half a mile to maybe a, a mile long.
2: Suck uh, it, by New York. Get... That's what basically yeah. Boston did. They were like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's all we need. We beat you guys. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it,
6: it, it quickly evolved into a lot of other um, tunnels being done really quickly after that. If you look at uh, the infrastructure work done in 1890s, there's a couple of great archives uh, and there was some mega projects going on everywhere, but they went from the very first one, um, and then the New York were doing the very same thing. And of course, the big thing was having electric. Oh, don't talk to me about the big. That's a crazy <laughs> one. That's a real. That's a, a real s show right
1: that, there. That's a whole uh, episode into. Yeah,
6: that's it. a that's a one on its own, um, but you know. It, it, It became, um, the other lines became uh, right after the very first green line. But, um, you know, New York had an advantage, they got great rock. So it was just a matter of breaking the rock and getting out of it. Boston has all that clay next to the water. So it was a very tough time for them. Um, So digging through that mud, it would collapse, um, very high risk in, in those environments. So uh, a lot of water infiltration, a lot of um, you know heavy trenches that would collapse in on guys. So they had to do tunneling under there. It was it was a pretty tough time. So, but okay. there's some great stories. There's even a, a movie on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen it. To um, I can't remember, but if, if you uh, do an internet search, you'll be able to find it pretty easy.
0: Hmm.
1: Cool. What you got?
2: Shoots? nothing.
1: Oh man, I'm uh, letting you have no, it. No, I have one last one last question. So, Sean, <laughs> just to clarify, when uh, when when someone calls eight one one, Blue Stake, what have you, where would that fall? Would that be level D, level C? Where where's it
5: fall? Sure. So that's going to be your lowest quality level. Okay. Quality level D
4: as a dog. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> and that's where I was talking about when you don't know how you don't know what they're doing, right? Yeah. So you can't. You got to take it. It's the lowest quality. They could be pulling it off of a record or a and a GIS mm-hmm. map on their computer, and they didn't use any technology to to go out there and do it or how how good the information they're putting down they might actually get a signal on a line and they're trying to lay it out but to them their 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 accuracies mm-hmm. and their precision is a lot is a you know it's a lot wider you know mm-hmm. they don't have to their the rules are about speed how many yes. tickets a day can they get down not how good the information is yep gotcha. so like when I called
2: them to do my uh, irrigation in my yard
4: probably not- won't happen because it's private.
2: I did it, though, and they came yeah. out? Not in on your Not property. In the front yard, they did it. In it was, the right-of-way.
4: It was a it, few it, years ago we did it. Yeah, I, but,
2: I, but they probably did the but that electric was like, line. In the, I had know. like a fire hydrant in my front okay. yard, so maybe that was why. Yeah,
5: I, they'll,
6: I, they'll, they'll take it up
5: to the meter or the point of service. Okay, yeah, that was why I was confused but, of. They did actually a re- show up. It's a,
6: it's a really smart move to do that because if you didn't call the one call, there's no exemption for private property owners. Had you broken something, your insurance company wouldn't have paid you uh, and cover the claim. So if you, it's just like breaking any other state law. Yep. Uh, so the law to go out and, and uh, you're required to do it, even though it's an irrigation, even though you they may not respond. Uh, it's very important that homeowners go ahead and get that one call ticket, because they if they fail to do that and you break something, you may not be covered by insurance.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't call them with my house now, but the one with the <laughs> yeah. fire hydrant in the front yard, I'm like, I have
5: no idea. But now I know you guys. Oh, so. Yeah, well, and, and Kent, that's an important, you know item to bring up. It's probably one of the, one of the larger items in the Sioux world. Um, I'll give you another example. Let's say a company does a one call and they go out and mark everything and survey goes out and shoots everything and um, they hire a pothole company to go pothole on a marked gas line. And they pothole the gas line and they find a steel pipe and they call it gas and everything's good, right? That is a quality level A point but come to find out that's actually a steel casing for a phone line and one call mm-hmm. mismarked it. Who's responsible for that? It's the suit company or the engineer that decided to put his stamp on unqualified or unknown information that the one call company provided. So there's potential uh, for liability and problems with utilities is is pretty big. And um, to base your stamp and your seal and your company's reputation and potentially life on Mm -hmm. unqualified or unknown information is a I, I think the new standard is going to go a long ways to explain that. Good
1: good stuff,
4: well, Sean. With, I appreciate that. With the new standard, what do you mean by that? ASE 38 is coming out with an updated version and, and can you guys expand well, on it we can in a little bit let's yeah. get to that well, let's get uh, to that
1: oh, this I'm is why sorry we have I'm jumping a, ahead this is why we have a list of questions well, here I don't pay attention
2: I know do you know me it's only <laughs> been a year and a half of doing
1: this let's get to the uh, the benefits of sewer services I know we've touched on a bunch of them already but um, I mean safety hasn't really been talked about that much so Michael why don't you go ahead and talk about that aspect as far as benefits go
6: Well, I think, you know, you you look at the Purdue study and some of those, those are are very good studies. I I don't know if I could really match those uh, quantitative return of investments that they always say, because I I think from the environment I work in, it's... um, you really couldn't quantify that in, in terms of known utilities, abandoned utilities, whether if you did it or not, um, I wouldn't want to say. But what we do know is that every, every customer that we ever have in, in subsurface mapping, um, they appreciate that when they, they don't find surprise discoveries, uh, they're not finding undocumented utilities. They get to know where the abandoned systems are. Uh, they they have a very high confidence that when they do a design, they don't have to do redesign. So there's obviously a cost savings there. Uh, we also see the fact that they don't have delays in construction. And in um, many times, you know, we, we've seen it time and time again, there's a huge amount of savings um, for anybody, both the engineering company and the contractor, when you don't have to have those delays. Um, so I think, um, you know, I won't want to talk about the studies and, and the ROI there, but from customers over the last 30 years, um, I've never had a customer that ever came back. We've never had a claim had zero um, calls for saying you missed something or what is this? And it's in a uh, we have a, opened a trench and there's nothing here on your plan for this location. So uh, we know it works very well. So if you do really want to manage the risk, uh, it's there. On the contrary, you look at some of the projects. Um, you know, I worked a couple of years ago in Sydney on the Light Rail, um, and you know the old saying that we have that you can't fix stupid. Well, when you look at their documents, there was obviously a ton of errors and omissions in their plans. Uh, they were very confident. You know, when I talked to the team, that they've spent enough of money doing that, uh, but yet their two billion dollar job became a three billion dollar job with a year of delay. Uh, the 405 in California was a project that went into construction. It had a $500 million claim that was settled for $300 million with Kiwi construction because of uh, I think 1,600 utilities discrepancies on the very first couple of weeks of the project. Wow. Uh, and then you go back to the big dig project, which was a six billion, six-year project that became a $22 billion, you know, 20-year project. So when you say you can't fix stupid, well, the same people seem to be repeating the pattern uh, and we know that if you want to manage the risk, it's a lot easier to manage risk above ground. When it comes to the underground, if you've got stuff that's 150 years old, you just don't know what you're digging into. So unless you do a bona fide investigation with a qualified firm that has a good training and reputable, uh, you know, prof- like I like what Robert said, professional in charge. Um, you know, I'm not a professional engineer, but after, you know, 36 years and beginning in the trenches, I have a pretty good idea of what everything is that I'm in my environment. So we have um, a a very good protocol in our industry, and it's getting better and better, how to minimize those risks. And like we said earlier, there's a lot of things that cannot be traced. Well, those are the toughest things of all. How do we get to that zero surprises? Uh, And it's very, very tough. And so how do you get good clients to pay for that can be very tough. So it's all back to education and the training of the staff to follow the protocols that we put in place.
1: Gotcha. Sean, quick question for you. Um, So who... Like, who would call you requesting Sue services? Is it a contractor? Is it a designer? I mean, what, what's kind of the process there?
5: Okay, so um, I always think of Sue as kind of like insurance for engineers, where the one-call system is insurance for contractors. Um, so we're going to get calls from engineers, project owners. Um, uh, it could be uh, private facilities, educational facilities, um, higher ed- uh, education institutions like colleges and universities, airports. Um, I've done work at amusement parks, um, anywhere there's existing underground infrastructure. Um, a- and there's an existing, um, proposed design project crossing through there, there's inherent risk, right? So those are, um, some of our clients, uh, I'm, I'm sure both Robert and Michael can, can talk about it, but, um, there's clients that don't even know what Sue is and don't know that we're out there. We go try to find them, um, often, um, I, I mean uh, speaking for myself I've done that with amusement park places and they had no idea that there was people that could go find these things um, put them in a GIS map them um, keep keep their uh, facilities and and have have accurate information to to design around um, uh, you know those are contractors do call us and and we do uh, work for contractors if it's not a design build effort um, then really when a contractor calls um, We've, you've almost missed the boat now now you can get ahead of some potential conflicts but um for the most part sue is a tool that design engineers used to, need to use um really for for them to say that they've done their due diligence with their design project um uh, that's that's kind of our main clientele
4: yeah. yeah i was going to follow up and just say you know kind of add on to that but you know, Sue is essentially all the way. It's from construct. It's constructability period. It's from the design all the way through construction. Like Sean said, if you're too late into construction, you know you're already getting ready to have a lot of problems. So that's really where you know we, we look at it. Where you know you, when you want to maximize your your efforts, it's yep. it's doing it early. It's doing it when you're getting a topo. Hmm. You know to make sure that you're designing and and not in mitigating. Michael, you mentioned it. You know mitigating the the redesigns.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can tell you from experience that working for some, like, local civil firms that there are so many designs being done based on manhole dips and blue stake, you know, and that's mm-hmm.
5: – <laughs> man, oh, man. And I that's mean, on that. us. That's, that's our industry, right? We're supposed to be out there educating these guys. And and, and, and so that's really on, on the Sioux industry and the, the education all the way back in, into engineering school where, I mean, ASCE has been out and, and had the, the, the standard out since 2002. You know, um, that should be in most schools and it should be oh. um, um, starting to make its way into the, the more senior
4: engineers today. And so, y- you know, the, you started out with the first, you know, the reading of the white paper. Right. You know, the statement of the white paper is like, we know we have these problems and everybody <laughs> you talk to, every agency you talk to is going to tell you the same exact thing. Yeah, we have problems. Mm-hmm. A lot of people laugh. They'll openly laugh in meetings. Oh, the, the information's so bad. No matter how good your design is, you could have the best team. You could do virtual reality. You could do all this stuff, fly-throughs. No matter how good your design team is, if you're basing it on subpar information on your utilities, your design's always going to have flaws. It's always going to have schedule issues. It's always going to have delays. And you're going to have big-time safety components, right? Huh. So at the end of the day, it's you know getting people to realize it. And I hate to say it, but engineers are very bad. I will say engineers and surveyors are very bad. And I'm an engineer, you know, but I'm, you know, my mindset is make sure everything's open. You got to be open. You know, what, what are you going to learn next? There's so many engineers who are never good at opening their eyes to what their problems are to realize, hey, how can I fix these? I know I have a problem, but the next time I get a job, I'm going to do the same thing because I'm comfortable with it. That's a big issue.
2: Hmm. No yep. growing.
4: They just tend to
2: stagnate. Yeah. Okay.
1: There, there are a lot of consistencies between surveying
2: and steering. And yet you guys hate each other. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm a mapper. I get along with everybody.
5: I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I don't hate anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. It's, it, 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 it's kind of interesting you brought up the engineer, and We have a surveyor on the line, and I'm a geologist. And really, that's the, those are the three, three fields components. that, yeah. that mm-hmm. come together mm-hmm. to, create, to create SUE. Yep. Hmm. yep.
6: yep.
1: Um, let's move on to – did you have something? I
6: think
1: uh, Michael might have had something. Oh, Michael, you got something yeah, to
6: add? Th- th- there's one question that we have, you know, always seen over the years. And, you know, the Big Dig was a classic example. There's a, f- a few major gaps, as, you know, Robert and, and the uh, Sean had said that, you know, we, we do great maps. We put it all together. We we put all the annotations and the information on there. Um, but, you know, we've seen several times where, you know, we worked in that project and they strike a utility and the engineer would, you know, Bechtel Parsons say, well, how did this happen? Um, But yet the plan is in the office, but it's not in the field with the people that need to read it uh, and have that situational awareness. So we, you know, you can do a great plan, you can put all the information on there with all the attributes and, and the uh, information. But unless somebody gets it to the people that are actually doing construction in the field. Um, it's going to be a real big problem. So, you know, we look at VGIS and some of these um, mixed reality things where we're going to be able to put it on wearable device and share that with the people in the field. That's actually going to make a huge difference because then there's the true value for you know the work we do is being shared with everybody downstream, not just with the design team, not just with the bidding people and the superintendent, but actually people that are you know uh, right there getting exposed to the dangers of breaking utilities, you know. And the second part that we were uh, pretty quickly aware of, you know, I was very fortunate in my early days in in the, uh, you know, early 90s to be able to drive around the country with backdrops, work a lot of different projects all over the place. And what we realized pretty quickly is that we produce drawings in color uh, and we put our notes on there. But what we found very quickly is there's a lot of people that are, you know, from other countries and other nationalities that don't know how to read. Um, And so we found numerous clients that were in senior positions on job sites and they had no idea what was on our drawings. And I even found people that were colorblind, no matter how I put it red or you know orange for telecom, they didn't see that either. So for us, it's okay, so we can do a really good job, but we gotta make sure it's used properly. So I'm at a very fortunate place in my career that I don't work for stupid clients and stupid people, But at the other side of the coin, we have to be very careful who we work for, because unless you really value what we do for a living, then there's no point in working for some of these people. So I only work for about five contractors after all these years. And it's just because they put me in a position for exposure. They expect me to do a runway, 11,000 mile runways in two weeks. Um, And being a practitioner and being a guy that's on site all the time, um, when you have unrealistic expectations, you know that somebody's taking you down a road where they're most interested in your insurance liability and the disclaimer, the umbrella policies on there than the work we do in subsurface mapping.
4: Gotcha. Robert, you got something? Yeah, no, I I, I kind of wanted to circle back on something real quick. There's, I don't know if we really answered it all the way, but it's the safety side of stuff because um, that was really kind of where you went the at, at the okay. beginning. Um, mm-hmm. You know, safety is the... The utmost important, obviously being an engineer, it's the, you know, health, safety, and well-being of the public that, you know, that that I have on, you know, when you're signing and sealing documents. Um, I will say that in the industry, uh, it depends on who you talk to about how how much or how, uh you know, high up the list that is on, on their goals. Uh, if you're talking to a public works director, if you're talking to the city engineer, that's very high. You know, they're looking at things like that. That's what they don't want to hear. Uh, so they'll they understand it and uh, it hits them home. If you're talking to a local project manager, he's talking about the bottom dollar, you know, how's that going to affect his project and and so on and so forth. So when it comes to the safety, obviously we know that, um, you know, Sue has helped, um, you know, with the safety of not only the contractors, but the public as well. And if it's done right, but it is a big thing in the market that people really need to realize that it's the first question you should get when, when you're doing something isn't, well, is that going to cost me an extra thousand dollars when it could cost somebody their life? Yep. So yep. I'm just Camp kind of wanting to get that.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, good point. I appreciate that. Uh, yep. Sean, you mentioned something about Sue being uh, introduced in college curriculum. Are there like are there, are there programs, are there college post-secondary programs that focus on Sue or is it just part of a curriculum? What's the situation there?
5: Uh, I'm, I would imagine these guys can probably um, add to this as well, but I know we've, we've uh, gone into college classrooms and and had, you know, a week long or a two week long session. Uh, We've, uh, I'm sure everybody is, um, has a lot of dear to their heart feelings about their alma mater. Um, I, I I could tell you in Texas um, (laughs) we've been into A&M. We've talked to that uh, school, um, tried to get Sue part of their curriculum. I I know that's happened elsewhere, but uh, I, I don't know that there's, any um, organized push for it, um, other than what individual companies have tried to do. Um, I haven't heard anything coming from ASCE, but uh, I, I'd like to hear if
4: if you know anything, Robert. Uh, you know what? I I know they're getting into um, you know Louisiana Tech. Obviously, has okay. some stuff going on, but it, it's not. I don't think a lot of the stuff that's out there right now is for the for the actual college students. Yeah. You know, I know I've given some um, some lectures at the Colorado School of Mines uh for their for their uh for their students uh it seems to go a really long way and most of them you know when you go in there uh, a lot of them have no idea what utility engineering is you know they're all in roadway structure and some of these things and kind of giving them an idea of what they're going to be dealing with I, I've told uh you know probably one of my high points when I when I speak uh to the to the students is no matter what you do you're always going to deal with utilities Cause they're all checked out, you know, they're all looking at their phones and they're doing stuff when you start actually diving in and getting them to realize what, uh, what they're really getting into. you got a roadway engineer, they're going to spend 40, 50% of their time spending time on utilities, not really the roadway. Mm-hmm. And so when they realize that, that's when their kind of eyes perk up like, Oh, I better pay attention. And you know, and it, it, it always comes down to every single person, you know, structural, you got to worry about how close the utilities are. How's the, it's going to impact it. You know, is this footing going to impact, uh, you know, the utility underground or I need to move it just based on the bearing pressure and all these different things that come up. So I don't think that it, it is very, um, it, it. I don't think there's a lot that goes on in the actual teaching um, as much as just educating that, you know, we yeah. can go out like Sean was saying. But I think it should be something that's probably done a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, you were saying hopefully the professionals come out, you know, the younger professionals can... Come out and actually understand what they have. I mean, that's 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 the the ground floor, right? You know, getting people to come out out of school and understanding what they're dealing with. Maybe teach some some of the old dogs some new tricks, I guess. And that's kind of the exact same boat that surveying's.
1: Right? Yep, I was just going to say. So, Michael, you're you're basically the elder statesman of this group. Um, I mean, is there is there a shortage of qualified personnel? I'm mean, again comparing it to surveying Absolutely. for a lot of the same reasons.
6: Absolutely, I I think in in survey it's really difficult. For uh, give you an idea, I I came on board full time with uh, DGT about two and a half years ago after my stint in Australia, and and what we discovered is that you know there's an alarming rate. There's a lot of surveyors leaving the industry and retiring. There are really not many people coming into the survey industry, and there's we're losing most. Uh, more uh, registered surveyors and professional surveyors than actually is, is becoming surveyors. So it's going to be, you know, they're going to be replaced by an app in the not too distant future. Um, but you look at um, subsurface mapping and every time we run an ad, we get no ad response for ads for uh, land survey. But if we run an ad for utility mapping guys uh, to become a locator, work on GPR systems, we we probably get 20, 30 applicants hmm. straight away. So we found it, it's a lot better to, uh with a lot better prospects in our utility industry for mapping than we have as traditional land surveyors um and the, the same thing has happened in the business the business of land survey um you know has has been very steady but the, there's exponential growth inside the subsurface mapping you know and we see that here and we see it in other countries a lot of my colleagues around the world say the same thing
1: yeah that was my next uh question as a matter of fact it sounds like it's a uh it's an industry that's exploding. I mean, it's not going away. If anything, it's going to be even, you know, needed more than ever, basically, just because the records in this country and globally, for that matter, I'm sure, are are pretty bad. Um, yeah. I mean, how, how, what what's happening to get people more interested in in, in in this profession?
4: You know what? I think a lot of it comes back down to what's rolling out in the RFPs. Uh, I hate to say it. Um you know, there's a lot of people, Michael. I agree. There's not a lot of people who are qualified to do a lot of this. There's a lot of companies yeah. and people that think they can do it, um, but at the end of the day, it comes back into people knowing geophysics, knowing yeah. you know the survey practices, knowing engineering principles, uh, knowing constructability. Uh, so you got a lot of a lot of people that enter the market that that really have no business being there. Um, and I hate to say it, but it's happened in survey a lot of times as well, where yep. you have somebody that that brings it down and it turns it into a com- commodity rather than a professional service. Yep. And at the end of the day, that's what's hurting the market across the board. Um, or you have somebody says, Oh, I tried that one time and it was terrible. It didn't work. Well, who did you use? Oh, I used Joe, Joe Schmo over here mm-hmm. in the corner. He had a back truck and a, and a, and an RD. Well, that's <laughs> great. That's not, you know, that's not enough equipment to actually figure out what you, what you're dealing with. And, um, I think that's a that's a big problem. So when you look at the professionals, I can say that I don't think I've really ever hired anybody, and I know when I was hired, I did the same thing. I was trained by a lot of a uh, lot of very uh, skilled people, a lot of people who had a lot of historical knowledge um and I'd like to pass that on, and I always tell everybody that we hire that you know you gotta ask questions because there's not anybody that you can pull out of school that's or or even out of another company for that matter because everybody does a little bit things a little bit differently. But, um, you know, finding those professionals that have the aptitude and, uh, you know, the ability to learn, um, is very difficult, it is very difficult. There's, there's not many. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and so I do think there's a shortage, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's something that you can, you can get over without having training, you know, and I think the education process is something that, that is huge.
1: Yep. Sean, talk a little bit about uh, the importance of mentoring then.
5: Sure. Yeah, I mean, Robert said it. There's not that many people that that have the experience level, that that have reached that that level of experience in order to pass it on. I mean, I, I would imagine all three of us still find some things every once in a while that surprise us and we didn't realize was going to be there. Um, look at the industry standard that, that we go by, the ASCE. They're on revision one of the original document. Um, it just there, there hasn't been enough emphasis on creating a curriculum, creating a guideline for for what people should know to go into this industry. Um, I I would imagine every company is like this, but um, mentoring is is by far the the number one thing right now. Um, these guys will probably agree with me, but I would rather take somebody that knows nothing about our industry Absolutely. and and train them um, with with. Our way, quote unquote. Um, I, I, it sounds like all, all three of us probably have a very similar yep. approach to it. But um, mentoring is probably right now the one and only education system for a suit professional um, that's out there.
4: I would well, agree, hundred percent. The
2: only tried and true
4: method. Yeah, yeah, because well, yeah, you can get it, but yeah. sometimes you get it, and then you 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 know you don't always pay for what you get. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Are there yeah. certifications you can get? Like, are there SU certifications so, for a SU professional?
4: So there's the Louisiana Tech. There's a 40 hour course uh, currently. Um, Jim Monsbach, uh, uh teaches that. It's a uh, 40 hours. They've had it. I think at actually Colorado School of Mines, looking at transferring that into four different campuses throughout the the U.S. Uh, but UBSI is also working on one, but it's more of a 120 accredited school, more like a master's degree. Um, but it kind of goes in everything. It goes into the equipment. It goes into, um, you know... The theory of the geophysics. Yeah, everything or, that goes... It goes into all of it. So somebody actually can, uh, can you know, can, can be that professional. You know what I mean? <laughs> I w- will say it's kind of tough because, you know, they, they, they're they pro- trying to, I guess, propose not only oral but written exams and stuff like that. Well, in the Sioux world, it's very tough to give a written exam because depending on the professional and what his judgment is, it de- defines what that actually is. So, um, as I mean, there could be an, a, a correct answer that three of us on this call right now could come give you three different answers and they all could be correct. It depends on, you know, if something bad happens, mm-hmm. which one somebody else would, would buy off on, you know? So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it, there is a lot of liability there. And so I think they're, they're, they are making steps to get into, um, to training, um, but it's still a long way away. Yeah, yeah. and and
5: Michael hit on it earlier. Um, Sioux is a very geographic-centered or, or oriented profession, so what Michael does on the East Coast is very different than what we, we would do in the West or somebody in another country. It's You've got to really understand the geology you're dealing with, the, mm. um, how the geophysics work in that particular area, um, other utilities,
4: the building materials that these utilities are made of. Um, it, it really affects... Even the design side we yeah. were talking about before. I mean, yeah. everything's changing. Um, I do think there's a lot of people that rubber stamp. I hate to say it because I'm a I'm a PE, but there's a lot of people that rubber stamp. You know, I've heard people in the past. You know, I've asked questions on what they did, and they said, "Well, I, I didn't know. I didn't. I, I I don't know their standards. I don't know what they're doing." And I'm like, "Well, why are you stamping this?" <laughs> you know, so it's a it's a big thing. But I would agree 100 percent with that that. You know, it comes back to knowing each area, the soil conditions. Like obviously, running radar in 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 Florida is drastically yeah. different than running radar in on you know coming on the in, west coast. Mm-hmm. In,
6: yeah, or in yeah. Boston. Yeah, yeah. clay. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Michael, do you have anything to add on that topic?
6: Yeah, it, it is. You know, the, the you know I've been very blessed to be able to work in places like Australia, where you've got a whole different culture. Um, and then go, you know, when I went there, they just adopted their new standard, which was pretty much copying what we had here for 3802. Um, but their culture took a whole different approach where I see it, it's very frustrating to see, you know, people that are two miles from our office after 20 something years don't know what SUE 3802 is. Um, yet you go to some place that just adopted a new standard and they actually take on the culture. They say, this is the new way of doing it. We're going to go out and trace the utilities, survey it up, put it in the drawings and go to share the information. So, um, you know, it's very frustrating. The, I think the U.S. was the leader for a long time in, in having a uh, 3802. Uh, but now we're seeing other countries and, and their cultures adopted it very quickly. And and now it's become a, you know, modus operandi. They're just doing it straight away. They they go right to it. So, um, you know, but in those countries, there was a challenge because, you know, where we have state to state, we're very similar survey, you know, uh, across state lines in the U.S. Um, in other states, like in Australia, they're completely different from South Australia doesn't even like using the same colors as the other states. So it's it's a culture thing, but it's amazing how some people adopt it uh, and in others. And you look at Singapore and what Jeff Zeiss talks about and, and writes about all the time. Uh, and there's a lot of other places that are adopting it really quickly. And, and I think our industry is growing very rapidly, which is very exciting for young people when they come in. You know, we can show them a, a global opportunity. If you don't stay working with us, you do have an opportunity to go anywhere in the world and do something very similar in similar standards to the uh, 3802. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we've talked about uh, ASC thirty-eight hundred two quite a Finally, bit. Finally, we're getting yeah. back to this. Uh, All right, I get let's to chime get to in this. Again. Um, so, yeah, I, I know there, like as you guys mentioned, there's a revision coming up, right? It's like the first one, first one
5: in Remote. like twenty years or something like that. Well, thirty-eight hundred two was done in t- two thousand two. Two
1: thousand
4: two. Wow. I will say this revision's taken like three years, though. So <laughs> I've looked. at, I, I mean. Sean and I were talking about it already. I think I've already reviewed it a few times and it's, you know, every year they won't even give out a new date because it yeah. it, it keeps keeps, you know, kind of pushing out, but Sounds it like- is finally finally uh, in the process
1: sounds like the uh, arizona minimum standards for surveyors it's been going <laughs> oh. on from like the 70s i think
4: and what's the other thing with the uh 2022
1: new <laughs> oh, geoid yeah, and now the, that
2: yeah. covid's you know put a, a dent in things yeah, but it sounds COVID. like this is long before that
1: so if we can kind of briefly touch on it i know that you guys probably have some intimate knowledge of the the revision that maybe can't be shared i get that but if there's anything that you guys want to touch on um let's do that real quick sean do you want to go
5: um, sure, I, I I think this what I've read of the the most recent revision um, the standard does a really good job of explaining the the different uses of what most people understand of is one call or eight one one. So now that we have a nationalized eight one one system, um, every state knows what that is. They call it and they get paint on the ground. Well, the SUSE standard um, does does a very good job of of explaining why that's only quality level D, and, and what you should expect from it. Um, the, uh, uh, some of the other explanations as you get further along into the Sioux Standard, the, the, the new one, they, they kind of tie back to that too. Um, they kind of go back and say, all right, here's a quality level A test hole. I kind of talked about it earlier, uh, but it was on level D information, so <laughs> or one call information. So um, I, I like that it has kind of taken something that, some, that people can relate to and understand and explain why it's not something that you want to move forward with your design with. Um, there's, It's it's a lot. Um, the standard, uh, the one I read, um, has a lot of commentary. So it, it has a lot of explanation, um, which I think was missing in the original standard.
4: So, Robert. That's good. Yeah, I, I think the commentary is really good. Uh, it did help. Uh, there's some other stuff. Like um, prior, it was... You know, and Michael, you hit on a little while ago. It's using, you know, like LIDAR, for instance, doing a lot of vaults. Um, being a civil, like those are things that we've been doing for a while is, you know, investigating the vault structures and the the diameters of the vaults underground. How many times do you go into a project thinking, I got a lot of room, but there's a, you know, 6 by 10 comm vault down there that nobody has any, any record of, and nobody's even designing around it. You're thinking you're putting a, you know, a storm drain line right next to it. Well, that ain't, that's not happening. And and uh, so you get that. You get the vault dimensioning uh, investigations. You got depths, uh, adding it more into the 3D world because that's the next thing that's really starting to pop up. Um, Sean and I talked about that as well. It's not. It's 3D is not for everything. Uh, you got a lot of utility, or not utility companies, but agencies thinking, oh, we're going to go util- You know, we're going go to go do a, a 3D model when they don't need it. Um, there's also stuff, uh, um, the, the utility report, and that's probably one of the big things is mm-hmm. uh, a lot of places well, you know, if you're a licensed professional, you know, you can sign it as a, as a PLS. Mm-hmm. Well, in the new standard, they have it where you have to have a PE, at least do your, ut- uh, utility report, uh, based on, um, you know, the, the project, uh, we've done a, quite a few of those. We're actually already following a lot of these with our procedures, um, but that those are the things that are that are coming up that that will probably make the biggest differences. I know a lot of states won't you don't have to do a full blown report if you can put it on your plan set. But then again, then then that changes the dynamic. Then it becomes a PE sealed uh, deliverable. Uh, overall, it's just a professional. So they've they've kind of looked at a certain uh, certain I guess issues with the with the industry over the last twenty years, and they sure. were trying to fix mm-hmm. a lot of the problems uh, that they've had. But I think the commentary is definitely one of the yeah. biggest the biggest uh, uh, biggest positives out of out of the new standard.
1: Michael, do you have anything to add?
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually pretty opinionated on on some of this for for example, um, I don't believe anybody should be serving up the paint and even calling it level D. Um, I, I think it's um, it opened the door for a lot of people to cut the corner. Uh, I know too many surveyors that really, so that is an opportunity to say it's an SUE drawing or it's a quality level B, but there's, you know, the, there's no metadata to paint on the street. So, you know, the difference between some locates uh, with a gas company all the way to some of the telecom guys, uh, I got one piece of paint here near me in Florida and it's got to be 20 feet across. Um, so the the obviously the telecom guy was really confident that in that 20 feet, he's found that, you know, half inch diameter fiber. So, you know, when you look at that, it it's really shouldn't be a part of level D. Um, and, you know, level D we know as, as uh, engineering survey uh, principles, we know where that data should come from and there should be a hierarchy and, and that should not be there. That's a part of the underground damage prevention. And the last, you know, it's the seat belts when you're doing that job site saying, does this paint match what we're seeing here today? Um, so I dislike paint. So it's great that the, uh, the new standard Uh, addresses that and says, "Okay, you should not be using this information. This does not qualify as as any quality level data that we're producing today. Um, You know, for me, I wish the standard would hold off a couple of years because uh, I never really loved 3802. My VP was on the committee back in the day. Um, And so I put it on there just because it was like Monty Python to me. Um, You know, it was John Cleese and all the boys just completely rambling on. And that that three years of my life, what I would never have got back. Um, But for me, after, you know, since 2002, having 3802, you know, I don't know how many places I've gone and petitioned to, you know, say here in Orange County in Florida. I've literally pushed and pushed uh, with organizations. So the engineering groups who in there would say, OK, we're going to add this into our survey standards for underground utilities is now going to comply with 3802. We're going to request that all projects get quality level B information. So with all of that work that many of us have done and championed all over the country, Um, You know, we've got a lot of clients to write in 3802 inside in their specifications. So now when the new one comes out, you got to go back and ask them to take it out and put something new in there. Um, And to be honest, uh, after so many years, everybody has changed. There's a lot of new faces in there. Um, so going back to having everybody change and rewrite their specifications to include another 3802, whether it's 20 or 21 or 22, if you can make it 23 or 24, I'd be happy. I don't have to hit the road and do all of that legwork again.
4: Well, but, I, uh, <laughs> and Michael, I would, I would probably, you know, and I've had to do the same thing. Um, yep. one of the things that you'd have to deal with is a lot of people, it's just, you know, it's 38. The, the standard is ASE 38. So at the end of the day is if they, if they reference ASE 38, it's whatever the newest standard. It's just like when you're referencing the MAG standards here in Maricopa County, you don't say I'm referencing MAG standard, you know, and and list off the date that you're listing. It's just I'm listing MAG standards in the detail. And from that point, you know, and that's what's so good about a standard is when they do update it, you should be referencing the same thing. Now, I do agree a lot of people have, you know, listed out 3802 and part of at least you know, our process is to make sure that when they do list it, it's you know you drop off the O2 because you don't know when it's going to say twenty or twenty one or twenty two mm-hmm. or 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 whatnot, so they don't have to go back and and uh, modify that and just yeah. always keep the highest standard. Yeah. So I was just
2: recently informed by uh, producer Jake that we're running a little short on time. So I don't want to cut you guys off. And battery life. Yes. (laughs) The the passion is real. I can feel it among all of you guys, Uh, and it's greatly appreciated. uh, But uh, we are going to have to cut it a little bit short tonight. Thanks, Jake. You finally failed us after all this time.
1: Bring your charger,
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) buddy. We're going to go with any parting words or points of discussion
4: we may not have touched on. Uh, Let's start with you, Bobby. I, I got one. Um, one that we didn't touch on, but there's one. There's there's a new document out. The sue for uh, sue for municipalities uh, came out. It's a very good document if, if you know people are out there and they're looking for information on sue. Uh, it covers everything from you know the standard, uh, but it also goes through procurement. You know for agencies to understand what scope they need. You know how to how to budget for it, uh, even how to the units because there's a little bit difference in the units and and how. Uh, we go about um, pricing projects, so it's it's actually a very good document. Um, it was vetted through APWA, AC I mean, every I think I don't, I don't know. I want to speak a- out of turn, but acronyms. there's a lot of acronyms <laughs> out there that that actually went through it. So I just wanted to highlight that that that's a it's a very good document. And that if you haven't seen it or if you have any questions, you know, definitely reach out because we can we can help you out with that. Excellent. Awesome. Let's Thanks. run to you, Michael. What do you think?
6: Well, you know, for, for me, one of the big things I always saw is that, um, you know, trying to do client education and pushing 3802 <laughs> over the years is like what I call,
5: oh, sorry about that, pushing <laughs> freight trains.
6: <laughs> and I would rather they, um, There's that passion. we'd see a lot of the uh, states adopt what uh, Colorado did recently and made 3802 law. Uh, I mean, for me, you can get all these people say it's a best practice. It's really good. It's great ROI. Uh, To me, that's pushing freight trains unless you make it state law in all the states and say you really got to do what Colorado just did, what Pennsylvania has had for a while inside of their, um, you know, state laws. You've got to do that. And uh, to me, that really would make the difference between it would be a catalyst moment for us in our careers. So that way we'd have an equal opportunity and make sure people are going to uh, treat the design work and have a proper survey done for the utilities as well above and below ground.
1: Is there any coincidence that marijuana is legal in Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: they get
5: high and look underground. What could I say? What about you, Sean? Bring us home. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. The, uh, um, the fact that Colorado made it law, I think it's, I think it's good to write it in there. Um, I would just reiterate that this is a standard. This is a um, general guideline. Um, it, it lists a lot of good um, uses of, of equipment and techniques and procedures um, it, it, um, attributes, uh, a quality level to the utility shown on a drawing, but I don't think there's anything that can replace a good scope with a client, um, talking with a knowledgeable Sioux consultant who's been doing this for a while. Um, those are the things I think that'll, that'll save our projects and our, our, you know, make, you know, increase safety, um, keep costs down, those, those kind of things. Um, so I, I would just encourage municipalities and project owners to, Um, Work with knowledgeable Sue consultants before writing a scope that they may not really understand completely.
1: There's this thing seems to be like there's a uh, a lot of educating the client um, in this. God knows, God knows we're trying
2: out there. Uh, And again, it relates to survey and Sue. You guys are two in the same. Of just people don't know what you do.
1: Maybe we need to start our own club.
2: Ah, well. we'll I tell you what,
1: when you show
4: up, when you show up on a when you show up on a job and you and you depict about. 200% 200% of the utilities that they think are there, you start getting believers. And that's really where it comes down to is yeah. is coming into a job and proving to the client why they're doing it. Uh, that's the biggest first step. And honestly, getting them through that step is probably the hardest thing to do, but then it's the easiest thing to do after that because then they'll realize hey, that's this is truly a benefit. And it's not about spending money that they didn't have at that point. It's the same money they're going to use. Hmm. right? It's just spending it wisely wiser to save them on the back end no absolutely seeing is believing
1: absolutely well hey i gotta say thank you guys so much michael uh robert sean thank you guys for taking the time to do this tonight i mean this unbelievable information the passion has definitely come to the surface and um we could probably talk for another two hours so we'll have to do this again hopefully you guys will come back
4: yep (laughs) sue 2.0 exactly right (laughs) well
2: once that uh asce Three thirty-eight oh two comes out. 3802 would
4: have came out in 2002. Oh, 3803?
2: <laughs> no, 2020. 2020. Oh, tw- 3820. 20. Is it going to be 21 by the it's time 21. that happens? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so when that happens, we'll have uh, Sue 21
1: yeah yeah for sure so just again thank you guys for uh for taking the time to do this we really appreciate it so as far as i'm concerned that'll do it for this one boys uh please be sure to check us out at the geoholics.com follow us on all reputable social media outlets by searching for the geoholics and download all our podcasts from apple Podcasts, Podbean, stitcher spotify don't forget to download the geoholics app from land surveyors united Email us at info at if you're interested in being a friend of the program or a guest on a future show. We are actually booking into, gosh, almost March at this point, if you can believe that. Please don't forget to support our friends of the program every chance you get. They would love to hear from you, and be sure to mention the Geoholics for the VIP treatment. Pay it forward, add value, make friends, ELO, don't bring me down, available everywhere. Until next time, be safe and healthy, everybody.
2: Add value, make friends. All right, once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Bad Elf GPS. Find them at bad-elf.com. Land Surveyors United, landsurveyorsunited.com. LIDAR News at lidarnews.com. Parkland College Land Survey Program, parkland.edu surveying. Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I dot A-E-R-O. Diamondback Land Surveying at DiamondbackLandSurveying.com. Advanced Geodetic Surveys at A-G-S-G-P-S dot com. Tiger Supplies at TigerSupplies.com. Cyanic Automation at GetJobBook.com. Safety Apparel, you can find them at SafetyApparel.us. And finally, Get Kids Into Survey at GetKidsIntoSurvey.com.